What's up, future changemakers? You're listening to Impact India, a podcast that deep dives into the epic stories of social entrepreneurs and social innovation in India. Impact India is sponsored by CauseArtist, your go-to social impact lifestyle online platform for all things social goodness around the world. And I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, social entrepreneur and director of content at CauseArtist. You can connect with me on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. All right, no stopping us now, full speed ahead. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of Impact India. I feel like I start every episode like this because I'm just so excited about the guests that I have from the show. Uh, and today I have two, which I'm super thrilled about. So today I'm talking with Pallavi and Mahek of We Are the Labelists, an eco-conscious brand aligned with the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals led by the UN. So I'm already very impressed. Uh, they're working very closely with craftspeople across India with a focus on employing women. Uh, their goal is really to help achieve SDG 5, which is gender equality, and SDG uh, 12, which is responsible consumption and production. Uh, this power duo, they actually met studying uh, fashion design at Pearl Academy. Uh, Pallavi has always been passionate about incorporating sustainability into fashion. She has worked with organizations that I'm such a fan of, from uh, Upsana in uh, Auroville to Doodledge in New Delhi, and also participated in the Copenhagen Fashion Summit in 2018 as a student candidate from India. Uh, Mahek, on the other hand, has a main focus really towards the human aspect of the business. Uh, so she has worked with Intact Srinagar Women Corporations in uh, Kashmir in her graduation journey and showcased her collection Firkath at Vancouver Fashion Week in September 2018. Oh, so glad you're over there in Canada. That's awesome. So through We Are oh Labelists, the power duo create women's wear, men's wear, and upcycled accessories with different handling fabrics uh, from handwoven cotton to silk to linen. Oh, ladies, I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Such a pleasure. Uh, Thank you so much, Jasmine. That was that was lovely. Like that was, like someone say these things to us. <laughs> so that was so new for us. Yeah, don't you feel like a badass when someone just you know tells know, you all when someone else says it and they're like, oh my god, we're doing so many things. Oh my god. Yeah, you yeah, are. Like yeah, I'd love for you guys to take us along the journey of your startup story so we can understand how you were able to accomplish all these amazing things. <laughs> awesome. So uh, let's get started uh, from how We Are Labelless came into being. Yeah, uh, I'd uh, say that it started, it's not something that started after college, but uh, during the time we were in college, we realized that uh, our interests were quite aligned. Both of us had quite similar interests and uh, we were going through uh, towards things which were very personal, like uh, uh, maybe I'd say, when we started our final collection, our final collection was basically something very close to our hearts, yet it was uh, something on the same, uh, similar terms. And we realized that at that point, we spoke to each other and we talked about this, that what do we want to do in future? Like, how do you see yourself in future? And we came up with this that, um, are, we, are we planning on doing like being those huge ass fashion designers with uh, big stores? We'd be like, no, that's not something that we'd be able to do. But we were more concerned on the human aspect and the aspect of how 
how this was creating a problem in the society in our atmosphere and everything that was happening around us and he was like we cannot throw a blind eye towards it and we need to do something which is more than just make clothes we need to have a solution towards the problem because we if we also start creating products again and again and again and produce a lot again we're creating a problem so it was then we came up with this thought initially we are able as started as a blog where we tried to be preachy tried to talk about things whatever was happening tried to keep ourselves also updated because as we know this is one field where we need to keep ourselves updated every day because things change in a flick of a second so initially started as a blog we used to write things uh and during that time we saw, uh, we did a collections as well while my collection was more based on the human aspect like we said i was more co uh, connected with the women uh, i worked and during that time i worked with uh, these women specifically from the smaller area in kashmir from a distressed sector and i started working with them and getting to know their story while as pallavi on the other hand she worked with i worked with a lot of like ups, you know into the more uh techniques of upcycling and basically going to auctions and buying all these you know kgs and kgs and heaps of old uniform fabrics that were, oh wow uh, basically sourced by me and my father so that we used to go to all these uh you know administrative auctions and used to buy all these old uniforms because i was so because my journey was based on that and i didn't want to like let go of all this good you know i call it treasure like this treasure <laughs> i love it i was like no i can't i need to buy it and i ended up buying a lot of fabric for a lot of less amount uh, for my final graduation and that's when i realized that you know that we are on the same route towards you know the whole sustainable fashion industry but we're taking up different roads in the whole myriad of the you can say the whole industry so that's when we uh, got together uh, we had a word about it and we were like let's do this <laughs> uh, we do not know what else can we do <laughs> and that's when we started it started it as a blog and we went into our respective jobs after graduating because obviously we let's be you mean let's be practical about it we need money <laughs> to start yes, anything of course so, <laughs> yeah so also some experience yeah some experience that's definitely so we did our respective jobs for a year collected you know some startup amount of money that you know we could use and uh, i think during our college years and even when we were in our uh, respective jobs we had already made such connections with different people from different stages you can say different artisans and uh, different clusters from different uh, states of the country that when we were starting out we just had to like call them up call and be them like up guys we're doing it now like we're at last doing it and they were more than happy to be on board with this project of ours it means this we somehow i don't know how it happened but we somehow built this very i think uh, they'd seen us uh, growing up like as kids when we'd go and work on our college projects and then once we were like into it we went to them we told them that now we have a project in hand and we are thinking about doing it and i think they were more than happy because there was a human aspect to it we knew mm -hmm. them all personally rather than just being a professional uh, relationship 
we knew them all personally and we kept in touch with them whenever we do any collections in school as college as well we go back to them and show them whatever we were doing so they were more than happy to board which actually the very smooth process that we like so that's when we started we took a small studio phase and we started our delhi office and this was this is last year in may and we launched the brand in may and yeah that's that's how we started basically uh, before that before starting the brand we did the entire research like how the collection should go about what should be where so all of the connections we had developed during these years we went back to them we started talking to them we got a proper line like whatever our production lines totally so once we were done with that once we had a collection in hand we uh, worked on this small studio we uh, made our own small studio we painted the walls we did everything <laughs> on our own because yeah, it was just absolutely. so exciting yeah we did our we even did our own furniture that was that was <laughs> best part i think like my parents are like 10 times prouder of me now that they know that i can do this <laughs> so yeah I honestly I've been smiling the entire time you guys have been talking because there's there's so much excitement and passion in your voices and I absolutely love the the fact that you've really honed in on this idea that like working with people you actually have a meaningful connection with really makes the work that much more beautiful like there's there's a story behind every piece it's it's beautiful Yeah and plus in the meanwhile we had a lot of friends who were doing different things so we connected with them as well So we had this one friend who worked with us on our magazine and um, the news. It, yeah. Uh, she was a content writer and she worked with us. So working sides on sustainability as well. So we connected with her. Then there was another friend who was a, a photographer. Yeah. So she also helped us. Amazing. I, the commencement of the brand and it's just collaborations. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So that's how we started. Means we. we were so happy to have like all these people supporting us from the start yeah and i think uh, after doing that we realized that you don't really need a lot of investment to start a business you just need good contacts and you just need to be with the right people yeah. at the right time it just that's just what matters and once it clicks it just clicks Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I also think a big part of that is also passion. Like, you know, people see how passionate you are about doing something that doesn't just add to the industry. It benefits the industry. You're trying to change kind of the status quo around uh how we consume fashion. And, you know, leading off of that, I'd love for you to dive a little bit more into the concept of, you know, being labelless. Like, can you guys dive into like what that means to you and why you've chosen to go in that direction? Yeah, I'll let Meg take over because that's her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, as the word "we are labelless" suggests, it's we are labelless. Initially, when we started, we had this idea like we do not want to name the brand as Meg or Pallavi because <laughs> we're not just the two people in the brand. The clothes that come out—that's not just what we are making. It's not just the two of us. It's not. We cannot give the credit to the two of us. It's everybody, starting from the person who. Um, made the fabric who produced the fabric to the person who did the embroidery to the person who made it there was a person who did patterns there are so many people involved in it we just drew it yeah we just it was just it was just an idea and an idea is nothing till the time somebody actually works on it and makes it so having that in our minds we were like we cannot what what can be the 
best name. We, we are all together in this. We do not have labels. It's not that I am a designer or the person working for us doing our embroidery, our Rani Didi. She does the embroidery, no, sometimes because we're such a small team. Sometimes if I tell her like add this color to this color, she even says, oh, I think this might not work. Let's do it this way. And it, it turns out really well. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I did not give it that thought. And all of these people that experience in their profession, like our tailor, he knows exactly how, what silhouette is going to look good in which fabric. And sometimes I or Pallavi, we do not know that much because obviously they have been in this field for far longer. So we realize we do not have labels. Like sometimes I teach Didi, okay, uh, let's try this technique. And she learns it from me. Sometimes I learn it from her. So basically, there's no just one label attached to us. It's not like I am the designer. She does the work. She's the embroider. We have a tailor. We all working together. And yeah. hence, we're all labelless. We're without labels. Yeah, we do not tag each other as designer, uh, tailor. We just tag each other as we are. Yeah, so we're all yeah. labelless. That's beautiful. It's that such a team. It, it brings such a beautiful sense of community to the entire team and, and all the many people working behind the production line. Um, I think that's such a beautiful... I, again, I'm still smiling. You guys are really making me so like <laughs> giggly on this end. I keep having to mute my microphone. Um, I, just, I, I just love the energy around this. And you know, I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper into kind of like what that, that design and production process looks like, you know, working with your team of artisans. And also, you know, how do you guys kind of work towards your goal of zero waste production? Like, what does that look like on the ground? So basically, uh, we have one team where Mehek and I are, which is in Delhi. And we're a team of four people at the moment because of COVID. And uh, so that's basically where we say our headquarters are, where everything gets combined together, gets assembled, gets aligned, gets tagged, and is made sure that it's proper to get out into the you know, world and the universe. Uh, we have one team that's working on our embroideries in um, Kashmir. There's another team of weavers that is from Bihar. And then for our crochet shoes, there's a team down south that in Tamil Nadu that works with us. So all these people have their own separate units, but means they do work as freelancers and they work with us as well. And all of this is done through technology it means huge 10 points to technology for enabling us to basically connect with connect them. with them <laughs> so that's how our whole you can say our value chain is like that's how it looks like basically and as for the zero waste uh, production um, so our, all our fabric is sourced from a weaver society in Bihar and all of them are handloom so this was one aspect that we want, really wanted to swear by, that we want to have handloom fabric no matter what happens, because we all know the present condition and of the handloom weavers in our country. It's, it's, not a, it's not a very happy story. It means it still isn't. We do have a one-to-one -one with our weavers, and we do get to know their problems. We do get to know uh, what are the drawbacks that they are facing, facing right now. Right now. So our fabric comes from there and then, and then obviously it goes into the collection. We do our production with it. And there's one basically policy that we have in our studio is do not throw even a thread, even a strand of thread. If it's lying on the floor, it's not supposed to be thrown out. 
So we basically collect everything, which every fabric, every thread, whatever comes out of a production cycle, we basically collect it and it's kept. And all of these, you know, smaller bits of fabric are used as raw materials for another, another, we always call it a 2.0 of any collection. That is basically an upcycled version of it, where bigger chunks of the, you can say bigger swatches of the fabrics are used. And even the tiniest bit, because obviously you're supposed to have the smallest bit of scraps that will come out of a production cycle. We use it for our earrings. We use it as a as an outer layer of our we stuff our earrings with that yeah. so that the smallest pieces that also come out they also go inside so basically we always say that waste isn't waste until you really waste it and we truly believe in it after using all of these smaller threads we've realized that no matter how small the piece is no matter what you think that it might not work you can still use it and make something more valuable out of it yeah so yeah, uh, uh, talking about our collaboration, we started our first collection, which was called Miras, which means inheritance, because we realized, like, like, like we said, uh, the entire thing has been about what we truly believe in and how we um, connect all, all with the each other and all of the values we have. So Miras was this one collection where we thought about getting back, giving back to the society, like talking about old traditions. For this collection, our fabrics we sourced from Bihar. These fabrics were the leftover pieces from all of these uh, handloom weavers that we have. Whatever was left with them, which, which was not being used anymore, we took out those fabrics from them. We took these pieces. We went to Kashmir, where our embroidery ladies were. We sat with them. We uh, discussed the entire process with them. Initially, I'd say it wasn't it wasn't okay because the kind of fabrics we were giving them were very different from what they were working with. Like these women were used to work with uh, shawls, pashmina shawls, or shatu shawls, or basically very very finer materials. But now we came up with raw silks and cottons and. Uh, Chanderis, very different fabric they might not have even seen in their lives. And then we asked them to start working on it. They were quite hesitant. Like we had to sit for a week with them and ask them to do the thing. In fact, the fact that we did not want the very traditional motifs as well was also kind of something that they were not able to comprehend at that time. Like they were like, but where is the neckline? Where do we make the neck? Or where is this thing or where is that thing and we're like no just don't think about it like don't think that you have to make a suit or that you need a neckline for this all of these embroideries need to be very fluid and wherever they have to be and the colors initially they'd be like okay which colors should be used but honestly we had like color palette and introducing them to all of these you know design aesthetics and all of these things that we take so much for granted it was, it was, mm. I think it was a learning experience for us that, you know, this is a color board. This is how we go forward with it. And we, we didn't want to rush the collection uh, at that time. So I think it was uh, in September, 2018, that we gave them the fabrics and we got them back in January, January. 2019. So we, so for the few pieces, we gave them instructions to do this and to do that, like, proper instructions, embroidery, this embroidery needs to be there, this color needs to be there. 
but then we realized that these people also had a knack for it and uh, and by the end of it they were like you leave it let me do it on my own i know which is better <laughs> okay Let's yeah. let's try it that yeah. way. And then they'll send us WhatsApp and you're like, see, I did something else and that looks ten times better. And we're like, okay, oh, thumbs up, thumbs <laughs> up. We're like, done. That's really thumbs cute. Up. I. I, I guess I haven't thought more about that. I mean, it's definitely been in the back of my mind, but obviously, you know, having, you know, younger people in the industry come in with more of these like modern concepts and, and, and different, you know, very different approaches compared to like very traditional uh, ways that people would be, you know, crafting clothing or weaving, handlooming, all of this, like it must be such a learning curve on both sides you know having the patience and having to sit down and kind of go through everything at a very you know very detailed really um i think it's beautiful that you guys really had the patience uh and, and will to kind of go through that because i i think that's also a huge empowerment aspect as well like allowing your community to kind of get creative like they don't have to stick to such traditional um, you know, articles of clothing, like they can really branch out and you guys are really giving them the creative freedom. So kudos to you guys. That's really, really cool. Um, and I'm also curious, you know, I, I know you kind of touched on it, but you know, a lot of our listeners are also, you know, our list, our community of listeners are international. Um, and I would love if you're comfortable kind of diving into a little bit more of, you know, talking about kind of how the weaving community, all the, the different challenges and barriers that they're currently facing. Could you kindly touch on a little bit more of that to give our audience an understanding of kind of the, the, the challenges that they're currently facing? Yeah, the first and foremost one being it's very recent. I just got a call from a weaver yesterday. And the first thing first that he was uh, really having a problem with was his cancelled orders. He cancelled orders, first of all. And the second one was that you know, that he was sending out all of these means this thing that we also saw was the transport and the, the transport storage. barrier and the storage barrier that they have been facing for the longest. Like there have been times where we have, uh, because we did go to Bihar initially when we were starting out and we did like sit down with them and had a full on talk that, you know, this is how we'll go forward and this is how the value chain will function. And by, and I think by the second or the third month, just parcel us the pieces and we just used to like, everything was done on WhatsApp. It's, it was very fluid and nothing was, you know, very strict about the communication that, that was being done. And now the first, first and foremost thing that's, that I have seen is that we're not able to receive those parcels and they're not able to fulfill the orders that they had been, uh, they promised they were working on, they basically. were working on and they had promised and the second one being the fabric getting lost, getting damaged or getting burned even while coming to the designers or anyone who's, who's bought them. Yeah, that was a new for us. Like we uh, saw a really pretty fabric that they had and we asked them to develop it for us. And what happened was while it was coming to Delhi, we get a call from them. So they're like, uh, you know what happened? We had, I think, ordered like a 20 meter of fabric and they just call us and they're like, you know, when we were getting it, the fabric just got burned. It has huge burnt holes in it. And we Crazy. were quite... Okay. Yeah, we were puzzled at first at how, how on earth can, can something like that happen? But then we realized like, okay, means that's also a problem. Like, that's also something that we'll have to go forward with because there there will be days when because we do not believe in you know storing 100 meters or 200 meters of fabric we we're not that's not something that we align ourselves with 
and even if we get a 20 meter fabric it is trying to cherish it we, yeah so then what we thought of, then we were like okay now we need to rethink like we have 20 meters of burnt fabric what are we going to do and while working like we were like okay maybe visible mending maybe we need to patch it what can we do so then it was again a problem solving thing rather than just throwing that fabric out we right. thought of doing something with it using those burnt edges as another technique or as another way of embellishment so that's how we work we try to go forward with these things another thing we've seen is um, so whenever these uh, weavers send the fabrics they have the fabrics uh, one over the other one over the other yeah. and maybe because of the dust or because of the humidity humidity yeah that there, there is discoloration because these are right. the uh, handloom fabrics and they're handmade and means they've been they do not have chemicals in, in it. it so yeah so there's always this uh, you know this discoloration this thought of discoloration that might happen if means they haven't been sent properly because it's even not their fault it's also the cargo's fault how they are throwing out i means i can't imagine how they would throw or how would heaps they keep fabrics. heaps of fabric together means that's not something that can that you can blame on the weaver or the, right. the weaver's side yeah. that makes sense that's, to me but the burning of fabric like what i'm so confused i know that's something that that's it's, it's it has been a year history for all of us <laughs> yeah. means that someone knows that how that can happen they can like tell us it has been in a year and we still have that fabric we've made a kimono out of it which i well, like cool. love yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> i'm, I'm curious is it like is it uh, like a malicious act of like burning the fabric like as the cargo truck is making its way to where it needs to go like is it or I think it's negligence. Yeah, negligence. Okay. I could say it. <laughs> yeah, it's negligence. Negligence. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Oh, we say that. that. It... <laughs> yeah, that's what we think it would be, and maybe because they might not be really well aware of. All of the things like how can they actually protect the fabric? Yeah, pack it means there's usually means we we've always means we do not want them to use plastics as an outer covering, but we know it's always going to be in a plastic. That's right. that just bothers me so much. And but yeah, that's that's, that's, what's I think that's one of the problems we've been facing for a really long time now. Trying to find something which isn't plastic, but yeah. yet while we're sending things out, they're safe. And no, they have to be very economic as well because we're not a huge brand. We cannot actually afford buying. Yeah, the minimum order. Minimum order is ten thousand for any uh, basically uh, eco-conscious eco packaging, and we're like. That's not something we can do. You need to make something for smaller brands. Yeah, well. it, it seems almost ridiculous brands. because like smaller brands are usually the ones who are going to invest in that packaging. Like I, I agree with you. Like I feel like the minimum orders for some things that are like that are so needed in the industry, they just make it so ridiculously hard to actually access it if you don't have the budget for like 10,000 yeah. pieces. It's like, what? What am I going to do with 10,000 pieces? <laughs> <laughs> believe means we have called so many people we've loved the work we were like okay this is what we want to do we want to get like 
get on board with it and just do it. And then they'll be like, but ma'am, the minimum order is 10,000. And we're like, mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do not even have space to keep yeah. it, let alone money. And then, oh, and then he, he'll say it very, he or she will say it very calmly that, oh, by the way, this is only going to last 180 days. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. what are we going to do with those pieces? <laughs> it's not like we're mass producing and we'll just get done with them like in one, 180 days. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I guess. That's also another thing. It's like, shouldn't they be encouraging, uh, you know, brands to kind of stop mass producing as well? <laughs> There's so many yes. missing connection between all of these different suppliers. It seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. Basically, they're forcing you to mass produce. Yeah. Because only then you'll get half of the things you want fulfilled. Yeah. Initially, when we started, we also were like, we did not know. We were like, all of actually come up with collections at least twice a year twice a year to be relevant in the market you have to come up with collections thrice a year four times a year be like but um, what do they do with the products they make it's not like you make it and you just sell it and you make another one and you sell it how how do we go about it but then we realized that rather than making a new collection on its own what we can do is we like we said we have collection and then we have a point 2.0 which, which is, is just made from the scraps that are left from that collection. And it's a proper upcycle collection. That's how we are going about it now. Yeah, that makes sense for us. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I'm curious, you know, uh, to kind of like take us to the end here, you know, what has kind of been your biggest shift in operations, uh, you know, since COVID has taken over? Um, and, you know, is, is there something that you've done that's worked really well? You know, what has been really challenging? Just share a little bit about what that journey has looked like. So I think after COVID, see, uh, initially before the lockdown, we were working on a new collection. We were idolizing and we were uh, ideating like how things are going to be. But then this happened and we cannot just turn a blind eye and keep on working on the same uh, things that, that we were because we now realize there's a there's going to be a huge shift in the market in the psyche of the people change and we cannot just think that okay once this is over we're going to go back to our normal life no nothing's going to be normal anymore because this is the new normal somehow so when we came back to the office during the time we were like in the during the time of the lockdown we started strategizing like what next what is this one thing that we should do next and we realized that people, like, once we came out, we realized there were people walking in the roads and they did not have masks. There were so many people. Masks, mask is something that everybody needs to wear right now. And people do not have masks. So we were like, I don't think, like, personally, while we were uh, talking to each other, we were like, I don't think if I go out, I'm not going to buy clothes right now. I don't, I do not need clothes what is this one thing if i am online what is this one thing that i i would be interested in buying like i think mask maybe can that one thing that we would need right now so the idea of making masks was one thing that came into our head like um we had this one we usually keep these uh in this one packet we have so during that time like one uh, the time we locked our office that day we had this huge packet which had all of these smaller pieces of fabrics that had been left out from the entire collection throughout the year. So we thought rather than taking new materials in or rather than utilizing a new material, we 
patch these things up and make masks out of it because another problem after this covid gets over would be the masks the poly masks that are that are lying everywhere there'd be so many masks and we do not want to generate another habit yeah because we're trying to protect ourselves from one so we were like fabric masks it has to like like again like human aspect and then the whole upcycling aspect of things so we we combined all of them together and the one shift that we did while we came back was uh, when we came back was that we stopped all our production productions and we just uh, diverted all our productions in all our production into making we uh, also started uh, means the best thing that we could do as a brand was ensure that people around our area anyone who was without a mask we ensured that they got a mask from our end it wasn't means it was just given out from our brands and we also took out this whole donation camp where if people want to donate uh, some amount of money which basically was the minimum was 50 rupees Uh, they can donate that and we'll ensure that all these masks and at the moment we've been able to deliver 500 masks to different states uh, covering even the frontline workers covering students covering area where we are in new delhi and even ensuring that everyone around us we always keep a pack of 5 yeah. in our bags whenever we go out even if there's an auto guy auto rickshaw guy who's not wearing a mask we'd be like do you need a mask and we just give it to him and it's so it's so oh, that's beautiful <laughs> yeah means we 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 think if you think it like that you anyone will think that it's not a big deal at the end of the day but when those people you know you see their face and they're at first they'd be like is she be yeah, like is like, she selling me a mask no i don't need a mask and then we're like no we're not selling you a mask we're giving you <laughs> they're like oh oh and we're like okay means it's just that that whole like i think that human touch basically yeah, yeah. nowadays you don't get to see a lot of that we've seen that so much because uh, we all we have an uh, auto stand near where our office is we went one day and we were like let's just cover the whole uh, auto stand auto wallers and uh, they just got so excited they like they got all of their peers and everybody guys do you have a mask do you have a mask oh they got masks and you're like oh yeah so sure. and then they were like uh, are you going to take our pictures like yeah, <laughs> yeah sure they were like so happy oh is my mask looking okay and that was such a good thing to see we were like like honestly we did not do something really great but looking at their faces just made us feel like this is what we were working for absolutely so, and i disagree with you i think what you did is absolutely amazing Uh, and the fact that you've given out over 500 masks like kudos like thank you for what you do especially because people are really oblivious to the fact that these disposable masks are going to completely cover everything in trash very soon and uh, also you know masks have definitely become a fashion accessory in yeah. india over the last couple of years <laughs> so uh you know i think i think it's amazing thank you for what you do that's amazing Thank you so much, Jasmine. <laughs> oh, it has been such a pleasure talking to you guys. I actually just want to like hang out with you guys. So next time I'm in Delhi, I would totally just gonna hang out. I want to come by the office. Um, this has been yeah, so so much yeah, fun. Yeah, we love you around. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can meet the team. And yeah, so this office we generally like to call it a hub, and we ask all of our friends, everybody who's working on the same lines, we ask them to come around. We're like, if you do not even want to work with us, you can just sit and work because. 
it's oh. so good to see people from different sectors working there and like we also get yeah, to know so many sure. things videographers we get to learn so many new terms we get to see okay oh the reflection goes this way people from different fields we just learn so many new things like <laughs> when we talk to them about our, what we are working with we get so new and so refreshing uh, perspective from their end as well so we generally love when people come to our studio and i think that was the basic reason we actually took this studio place up because we were like mm. we want people to come and we want to talk to more people and get to know their perspective and learn from them yeah. that's why we just call it like our tagline is we love to create educate and uh, collaborate. collaborate we even uh, yes. do workshops very regularly awesome. wherein we teach we teach people how to utilize the smaller shreds of fabric so where we we make earrings and accessories out of them yeah and this is basically the queen of the workshop <laughs> yeah around <laughs> everyone that you're not doing it right let me let me tell you how to do it right so it's really it's really fun for even our team and even for us and yeah it's kind of a fun activity for all of us yeah absolutely what a great way to cultivate community i love it if if i guess if any all the, any of our listeners want to like connect with you guys come by the hub when they can and you know learn more yeah, where can yeah. they find you online we have our website and we're very much active on instagram it's we are labelless and our yeah. website is also uh, we are labelless.com yes so yeah you can connect with us through that we're on facebook instagram whatsapp you can uh, we have our phone numbers also on instagram you can contact us directly so yeah awesome and for all of our listeners i will put all of that information in our show notes yeah, thank you so uh, much halavi mahek this has been so beautiful thank you so much for your time today i'm really excited to share this episode with the world because there's so much energy and positivity in it <laughs> and it's really needed at a time like this so thank you for what you do thank you for ensuring that people who are uh, you know underprivileged are able to access masks keep themselves safe keep their families safe um yeah thank you so much for what you do i really appreciate it and i'm sure the rest of the world really appreciates it as well <laughs> thank you so much this was so good yeah. it means wow i'm just like i think i'm like red from just like laughing laughing <laughs> yeah like I'm you <laughs> you guys totally killed it for your first podcast episode so yeah <laughs> You're going to do so many more. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much for having Thanks. us on board. Absolutely. My pleasure. Ha, huh, feeling inspired? See what other impact stories we have to share over on causeartist.com. Be sure to subscribe for weekly updates from Grant and I about content, giveaways, and new episodes from Disruptors for Good and Impact India. Looking to learn more about social impact and conscious living in India? Hit me up on Instagram at Jasmine Rain. Cheers friends.